Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
think I've ever, I've preached a long time, but I've, I don't think I've ever preached on this story before. And there's two reasons. One is, uh, just like you saw the great job that the Zepeda family did on uh, that video. Hey, fantastic. But, but the thing is, there are certain parts of the story that have always made me uncomfortable. And I'll share about that in just a little while. But I call, I call this message, The God Who Makes House Calls. You think, the guy who makes house calls, where's that in this story? Well, I'll, I'll show you in just a minute. But, but the thing you have to understand, before we get to Luke chapter 19, just 10 verses is all it is, the story of Zacchaeus. Before we get to that, I want to show you a little bit of the background. Because the background is, you've got to understand who this God is that makes house calls. And so this God who makes house calls, it says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through Him. This God who makes house calls made the whole thing, the whole universe. Apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Isn't that amazing? And so th this is what God created. Look at this. Billions and billions of stars, billions of galaxies, far bigger than we can even dream or imagine. This is the God who makes house calls. Isn't that something? But then it says, the next slide says, but the word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Keep that grace and truth thing in your mind. But, but look at this. So this is how the first slide is, the first couple slides. If God was out here, he was way off in some distant galaxy. And he said, I want to have a relationship with you. You'd say, well, I don't think you really want to have a relationship with me. You're really far away. Yes, you're big. Yes, God is great. God is good. You're way out there. 
But that wouldn't do much good. But then it says that the Word became, whoops, <laughs> the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so it's kind of like he came down. He came down to our planet. He came down to Israel. He came down to our zip code. He came down close by. And that's a really good thing. But, but in, this, in this message, I want to show you that he came down even further. He came down in this story. He came down to Jericho. And he didn't just even come just down to Jericho. He came down to the, the house of one little man. How about that? And, and the cool thing about it is, not only is the God who made the universe and he came down and he became flesh and he came to Israel and all that, but he wants to come to your house today. And that's the part that kind of troubles me, which I'll share in just a few minutes. So let's see the next one here. The, the amazing thing about it is, here's God who did all this work and came all the way down to us. And then it says this crazy thing. It says he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. Not everybody wanted grace and truth. Isn't that kind of weird? Grace is really hard for a lot of people to receive because they want to do it themselves. They want to feel like they're self-made people. They want to feel like, I don't really need grace or the cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I can do it myself. I don't really need grace. And then there's a whole lot of people that have a hard time receiving the truth. They've been so accustomed to the lies they believe. They've been so accustomed to doing it their own way and their own thinking. The truth is a tough thing for them to receive, full of grace and truth. Not everybody received him, but to those who did receive him, they became the children of God. What a great thing. So, a house called to one man. Here's where it goes. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. This is a troubling verse to me. This is a troubling verse because Jesus was in Jericho, but he was, he was passing through. Isn't that something? And if you read the context, the context is he was passing through on his way to Jerusalem where he was going to go down the Mount of Olives on Palm Sunday and he was going to be crucified. And in other words, this is his last visit to Jericho. This is it. This is the last chance. If Zacchaeus didn't get in that tree and, and, go, and Jesus didn't go to his house, it wasn't going to happen again. This was it. Anyway, I... <laughs> There's some challenging things in this message. Hope you, hopefully you'll still love me afterward because uh, some of it's hard. One of the hard things about it is it's possible to miss God. You know, he's here today. He's passing through today. He's, uh, he's doing a work here today. But it's possible to, to let it slide. A lot of other people in Jericho that day, let it slide. He just passed by. There's an old hymn I like. It says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And again, this might be controversial, but you know, the Asbury revival happened a couple months ago, remember that, you know? And then, hey, the Koreans were here a week or so ago. I don't know what you think about this, but I wonder if we missed some things. I wonder if, if we missed an opportunity. You know what Jesus said later on in Luke chapter 19? He wept over Jerusalem. He said, you didn't recognize the day of your visitation. The, the God who made the created universe, made everything that came and dwelt among us. 
he, he was passing through and he's, he cried to, to, to Jerusalem, he said, you didn't recognize when God visited you. Help us, Lord. What an amazing thing. Jesus passing through. Wow. Well, the next slide says, there was a man, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, it's great to be rich. You know, God wants to bless us. God blessed Abraham. God blessed a lot of people in the Bible. He was rich. But the interesting thing is you see this story. There was a hole in his heart. Sometimes we get exactly what we have always wanted. Sometimes it's, there's a verse in Psalms that says, He gave them the desire of their heart and sent leanness to their soul. There was something in Zacchaeus's heart that was empty. Isn't that something? There's so many people today, so many people in Charlotte area. Charlotte's a really pretty rich, rich place. You know, we were driving by with uh, my dad's uh, widow there, Dolores, raise your hand, and her friend Debbie. You know, we were driving around a few days ago. They're here to visit all the way from Florida. How about that? And, and they were just saying, wow, there's so many big houses, so many nice places. But you know what? There's so many people that have a hole in the middle of their heart, just like Zacchaeus. And so how do we know that he had a hole in his heart? Well, we, we can see it because he was, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. Now, this, this is a pretty interesting thing. A lot of them, again, some of these things you're not going to like. That's all right. <laughs> a lot of American Christians are content to just catch a glimpse of Jesus when he goes by. A lot of American Christians are content to just come on Sunday, see a little glimpse of Jesus, and go back to their life. That's not what he's after. That's not good enough. That's not what he's after. But also, a lot of people today have let the crowd block Jesus from them. They can't see Jesus because of the crowd that they're in, because of the people around them, because of all the activities and the people and the things that they are, and they can't see Jesus. But Zacchaeus was going to do something about that. He couldn't see Jesus either because of the crowd. He said, I'm going to climb up in a tree. i got to see Jesus. Oh, so you see, there was a hunger that he had that a lot of those other people on the parade route that they didn't have. Some of the people on the parade route were happy to say, yeah, Jesus passed by. Wow, really cool, awesome. Zacchaeus wanted more than that. He wanted a full glimpse. He wanted a full thing. And, and what Jesus wanted is he wanted to come to Zacchaeus' house. What an amazing thing. So are we going to be like a lot of American Christians? We'll just get a little glimpse. Hey, can anybody tell me uh, a story, of, another story in the Bible where a crowd was keeping someone from, from Jesus? Yes, that's, I don't know who said there. The woman who had the issue of blood. And the woman with the issue of blood, there's a crowd. She wants to get healed. She wants to get to Jesus. She, had, she went low, and crawled on her hands and knees, and touched the hem of his garment. Zacchaeus did a different way. He went high. He went up in a tree. <laughs> but both of them had the same problem. People were keeping them from Jesus. And, and if, if people are keeping you from Jesus, it's time to get rid of those people or to find a way to get past that. How about that? Well, Running ahead. In other words, he was eager. He ran ahead. He climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to, again, pass that way. Hey, here's, a, here's one. I, I see if you can get, I'm, this is interactive. You know, sermons ought to be more interactive. 
Who, who would agree with me on that? Tell me another story in the Bible where someone ran to be with another person. See, we got some smart people in this thing. The, the father of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son was coming home, the father ran to him. He didn't just say, well, okay, I'll just kind of wait here and see if he comes. He ran to him. He saw him and he ran to him. There's, a, there's an eagerness here. We see with Zacchaeus. We see with the prodigal son's father. He ran. He ran to, to get to that tree to see Jesus. He went to be first place and, and see Jesus. It took some effort. It took some hunger. You know, I don't know about the other people on the parade route. I don't know how hungry they were. They at least showed up on the parade route. But, but Zacchaeus had more hunger. And there's a whole lot of people today that claim. I mean, if you take a survey, how many of you would like to be closer to Jesus? Oh, that's the right answer to the question, right? You know, you know, we know the right answer to the question. But you know, to get closer to Jesus, you might have to spend some time praying. Some time reading the scriptures, coming to church, being in fellowship, being accountable, having a mentor, whatever it's going to take. It takes some things, you see. It takes some effort. And so there's something that, that Zacchaeus displayed that not everybody displayed. Wow. Well, when, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry to come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. There, there's a whole lot in this, this thing. You know, I, I've been studying this for like a month or something like that. And even last night, more interesting insights came out. Well, first of all, <laughs> Jesus looked up. He said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Do you realize sometimes it's easier to get up than it is to get down? Have you ever experienced that? In our neighborhood when I was a kid, there was a cat, and the cat had, had climbed up a tree, and it got up there fine, but then it didn't know how to get down, and I think they called the fire department or something. They had to, they had to help the cat get down. Well, you see, some people today, they've climbed up the ladder. They've climbed up the corporate ladder or some ladder or some, some success ladder. They got up to the top, and then they got there and said, wow. What do I do now? Now I got golden handcuffs on. I can't get down. I can't, can't change, can't move, can't, can't uh, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck here. Well, anyway, he had, Zacchaeus had to come down. It was good to go up, but it was also good to go down. And then Jesus said, come down because today it is necessary. We're going to see that several times in the story. Today, 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 today. You know, um, there's so many of us that if I would ask, what are your dreams? What do you want to do? What's your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, whatever? You know, some people would give me an answer. They'd actually have a vision, have a plan. That's a great thing. But the challenge of life is really today. What are you going to do today? Other verses say today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. What are you going to do today? A lot of people, I mean, frankly, not to give a hard time to anybody, but, but you talk to them in uh, 2000 or 2010 or whatever, and they give you this, here's what I'm going to do. Here, I got this plan. And then here it is, 2023. They're still in the same place. That's not good. Hurry today. Today, 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 today. What are you going to do today? 
that's going to take you closer to, to Jesus, closer to your dreams, closer to what God wants you to do. Today, what are you going to do today? There's something about that. And another thing I love about this story is here's Jesus passing by this big crowd of people, a big crowd of people, and he notices one person. Ah, lots of celebrity preachers today, you know, bless them. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, celebrity preachers, you know, and they got their bodyguards, they got their uh, staff, they kind of come out from behind the curtain, and then they disappear behind the curtain again. But you know, Jesus, he, in this story, we see somebody quite a bit different. He leaves the crowd to pursue this one man. And as I thought about it, I saw so many stories in Scripture where that happened. It was Jesus in one person, Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus with the woman at the well, Jesus with the rich young ruler, Jesus with Lazarus. One of my favorites is Jesus with Nathaniel. He calls Nathaniel and he says, hey, you're an Israelite in whom there's no guile. And Nathaniel said, how do you, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you. I saw you. I saw you when you were under the tree. Do we see people? Do we notice people? Are we, are we looking for a big platform? Or are we noticing that one person up in the tree? Wow, isn't that something? Help us, Lord. Well, <laughs> there's so many things we could say about this. But, but one thing that just really hit me is uh, not too long ago, uh, a person came to me that had had a ministry in some other city and they moved around here and they said, uh, I'm, I'm troubled, I don't have any ministry anymore. I don't have any... I don't have a big Bible study or can't preach or I don't have any big things anymore. And you know what I said? I said, forget about all that. I said, find one person. Invite them over to your home. Have a Bible study with them or pray with them. How about that? You know, forget about the big grandeur and all that stuff. Jesus wasn't worried about that stuff. He was happy to spend time with one person. Who's your one person? Uh, where's your platform? Where's your podcast? Where's your YouTube channel? Those are great, great things. Jesus was content to find one person. What's, what's interesting, uh, Jesus also said in Zacchaeus to hurry. That's interesting. Hurry and come down. There's an old story about some demons that were talking to, to Satan. And they said, uh, Satan said, give me some ideas of how we can... Tell people, encourage people, trick people into not going to heaven. And so one demon said, well, just tell them there is no heaven. They said, you know, eternity is really in people's heart. It's going to be hard to convince a whole lot of people there is no heaven. People just kind of sense there's got to be an afterlife. And another one said, we'll convince them there is no hell. And Satan said, yeah, but, you know, there people just realize there's got to be some judgment, you know? People like Hitler and others can't get away with this stuff. There's got to be a retribution. There's got to be a hell. There's got to be a thing like that. And so finally, the third demon got up and said, we'll tell them there's no hurry. And Satan said, yep, that's what we'll do. It's not that there's no heaven, no hell, no hurry. A lot of people are not in any hurry. And finally, they find themselves in their deathbed someday. And, you know, they were always going always to get right with God eventually. But there was no hurry. Wow. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Wow, what an, what an amazing thing. 
Well, <clears throat> there's a bunch of other stuff here. He, Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house today. This is the part that kind of encourages me, but also troubles me. First of all, I remember the very first charismatic church that I ever was a part of. I had only been a believer for a year or so. And uh, these people invited me to church. And hey, it was a church a lot different than how I bro was brought up. You know, they believed in spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, prophecy, you know, stuff like that. And uh, you would think that might really impress me or really motivate me. You know what really motivated me? They invited me to their house after church and fed me. I was a starving college student, and boy, I tell you, that really ministered to me, you know. <laughs> and not only did they do it once, they did it over and over again. And sometimes the pastor and his wife did it, Warren and Nancy Way, and sometimes uh, Bob Hahn and his wife did it, and, and Ernie and Mary Shepherd. And, and sometimes I had to turn down the invitations. I had so many invitations, people wanted to take me to their home for dinner. And sometimes they weren't going home. They were going to the Golden Corral. And they said, hey, come with us to the Golden Corral. And so I did. And frankly, let me tell you about this. Warren Way was a really good guy, but he wasn't really that great a preacher. Let, 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 that, let's, let, let that sink in a little bit. Because I didn't learn so much from Warren and Nancy Way by the church services. I learned from Warren and Nancy Way in their home around the lunch table as we were talking after church. How about that? And, and so it might be that more life transformation might happen in your community group or after church or whatever. What would happen if at MCC, if there was, let's say, 10 couples, families, singles, that every week would invite somebody, hey, we got food in the crock pot, we got enough for you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going out to Viva Chicken afterward and come with us. How hard would that be? Not really that hard, but it makes an incredible difference. It's a powerful thing when that happens. Well, you know, it's interesting that church leaders, one of the requirements for church leadership is not that they just be good preachers, they can sing, they can do all kind of amazing things on stage. It was hospitality. Isn't that weird? First Timothy chapter three, hey, the overseers must be hospitable. Wow. Thank God for people like Hank and Kim in charge of the hospitality ministry. But beyond that, they have hospitality in their home. How about that? How, how, about, uh, how about the Ewans, uh, Walton and Tina? Uh, hospitality, have people in their home all the time. How about uh, Lenore and Chris, wherever you guys went to? Hospitality, David and Polly, you were so many people. I could go on and on. I'm sure I left some people out. I apologize. But you see, that's a powerful thing. Because if we're going to be the family of God in a real practical way, it's going to take some people opening their doors and going to their homes. But here's why it troubles me. I never liked this story very much because I always thought, how could Jesus say, I'm going to go to your house? And, and Zacchaeus said, sure, go ahead. You know what I would say? Uh, could you give me a few hours? I got to clean it up. That, that's, that's what I would say. That's why I brought this stuff. I'd say, give me some time. I, let, let me clean it up. In fact, it might take a couple days, <laughs> maybe a couple weeks. I don't know. But, but we got to clean it up before you have guests, right? And now this month, I have a bunch of people coming from out of town. Oh, you really got to clean it up. 
But then I realized something really powerful. This is a profound truth you never would have heard anywhere else. What I realized is I thought to have Jesus come to my house, I'd have to clean it up. I'd have to sweep and mop and dust and whatever, whatever else is in here. I, I don't really use this stuff very much. I you know, yeah, tell you the truth. But then I realized something. Here's the profound part. I realized there was one person that would come every so often, only a couple times a year, and I didn't have to clean it up because they brought their cleaning supplies with them. Every so often, I had this economical cleaning company that would come and clean the house. And what I realized is, Jesus has his own cleaning supplies. Now, isn't that really something? You see how that changes? If you think you've got to get all clean inside before you can invite Jesus in or invite him into the deepest crevices, you're, you're going to have a problem because you're never going to be clean enough. You're going to be working like crazy, trying to get all ready. And Jesus says, I already got the cleaning supplies. Just let me in. Just open the door. Just let me come. Do you see how, how revolutionary that is? And, and in the, the Bible, in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, it says the, the Savior, the Messiah is going to come to his temple and he's going to clean it up. How about that? And he's going to come with refiner's fire and fuller's soap or, re, or launderer's soap. And what that literally means is he's going to come with bleach. <laughs> he's going to come with bleach. Bleach takes dirty things you know, soiled things and turns them white. You see, Jesus has plenty of cleaning supplies. In fact, the greatest cleaning supply of all time is the blood of Jesus. What can wipe away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So here we are trying to clean our house, trying to be righteous enough, trying to be good enough, trying to, to, to merit Jesus coming to our house. Jesus didn't ask, Zacchaeus, is your house clean? He just said, I'm going to come. Boy, that's something. Well, another thing, this is, this is powerful too. When I have guests, particularly from out of town, I typically bring, put some flowers, bring, buy some flowers and put it on there because I really like flowers. And, and I bought that this week for, for Dolores and, and Debbie who were going to stay with me a few days. And... Uh, and what I realized is this is one of my favorite illustrations of all time. Ah, if I can get this. Oh, well, should I brought some scissors. Ah, there we go. I remembered this old scene from the Little Rascals. Any of you old enough to remember that? And Darla wasn't sure if Alfalfa really loved her. And she got this daisy. She said, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Loves me not. And what I realized is that was one of Zacchaeus' problems. He didn't feel like anybody loved him. <laughs> and so how could the, the God who made the whole universe love him when he, nobody in Jericho loved him? How, you say, well, how do you know that nobody in Jericho loved him? Well, take a look at the next. Oops, oh my goodness. How we get back to that? All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to be with a sinful man. Think about that. There wasn't one person 
who stood up and said, well, I think Zacchaeus is a great guy. He blessed me one day. He, da, da, da. Everybody said, yeah, he's a sinful man. And so here is the God who made the universe embracing him, going to his home. I love you. I love you not. He didn't have to ask that anymore. You know what? You can throw away your daisy because he loves you. Isn't that revolutionary? Isn't that incredible? And, but, but it's interesting too. Also, God didn't say, I'm going to go to Zacchaeus' house because he's the most righteous guy in the world. <laughs> no. Jesus picked the most notorious sinner he could find to go to his house. So if Jesus comes to your house, you can't boast about it. You can't see I was the most righteous person. I had the cleanest house. He just comes because he loves you. It's amazing. Grace is amazing. It truly is amazing. And I realized, this is the thing I realized last night. Um, never seen it before. Never thought of it before. I realized one of the central reasons of why revival tarries in America. And it's based on this slide. You say, well, I don't see the word revival in there. I don't see America in there. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Here's the interesting thing. I realized revival tarries in America. One of the reasons, I think it's one of the biggest reasons, because we are experts in the sins of Joe Biden and Donald Trump and a whole lot of other people, our, our neighbors and friends, and we're, we're expert in everyone else's sins except our own. These people said, you know, you, you're, hey, he's a sinful man, <laughs> you know, he's a sinful man. Well, yeah, right. He is a sinful man. That was true. But they couldn't see. They're sinful too. Jesus died not just for Zacchaeus. He died for them. And that self-righteous spirit, that religious spirit, we, we sang a song about it earlier. I'm I, you're shaking up all my religion, breaking down all the things. Religion says it's all based on what I can do for God. It's all based on my efforts and my righteousness, my goodness. That is so wrong, you see. And in the chapter even before this, Jesus tells a story about a tax collector, a tax collector and a Pharisee. They both go into the temple to pray. The Pharisee says, I thankful God that I am not like other men and definitely not like this dirtbag tax collector guy. And the tax collector beat his breast. He said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said it was the tax collector who went out justified, not the Pharisee. Wow. What, what, I hope this resonates a little bit with us. But the, the reality is that one of the biggest reasons why more sinners don't come into the kingdom is because of Religious people, religious people like this that say, you know, you're a, you know, you, we have righteous people in this church. You know what? One of my prayers, as I said in this passage, one of my prayers is, God, send us more sinners. Let that sink in a little bit. We got a lot of righteous people. We got a lot of good believers, and I love them all. I love you all. But God wants to send some Zacchaeuses. He wants to send some sinners. He wants to send some people that he can show his amazing grace and transform their lives. He wants to do that in a powerful way.
If people are already come in and they all got it together and they're all righteous, well, that doesn't prove much of anything. Well, Jesus, friend of sinners, isn't that something? But the religious people always get mad at that. You know, God doesn't say, you know, if Joe Biden or Donald Trump or somebody else repents, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If you're waiting for somebody else to repent, somebody else to turn from their wicked ways, you missed it. Today, let us turn from our wicked ways. Let us ask God to search our hearts. How about that? And, and just a couple more slides here, but um, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I'm gonna, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll give back four times as much. One of the whole points of this is grace and truth has its impact. Grace is not just so you can keep sinning. Grace is so you will be transformed. You see? Grace and truth came to Zacchaeus' life and it changed him. It transformed him. If there's no transformation, then you can ask, did Jesus really come to your house? Did he really come? Is he, is he really come and brought his cleaning supplies? So, he's come. So, Jesus said today, Again, there's that word again. Today, salvation has come to this house. The word salvation, by the way, it means a whole lot more than what we think. We evangelicals have cheapened that word. We think salvation has come to your house. He's going to go to heaven when he dies. Yeah, well, that's good. That's great. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. That's part of salvation. But salvation means your whole and your spirit, your soul, your body. It means that you're transform from the inside out you're becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ salvation has come to this house and it's more than just you're going to go to heaven Zacchaeus what a great thing that is it's interesting it says he's going to come to his house you know we, we talk sometimes about outreach and stuff like that you know going on the street witnessing to people you know reaching people way out in the streets and, and Zacchaeus was on the street when when Jesus met him so that's fine. But I'll tell you one of the greatest ways to reach the world, one of the greatest ways to reach the world is in your house or is in their house. How about that? Your house should be a house of prayer for all nations. Your house should be a place where people can meet God and meet, meet others. And so, so often we've made Sunday morning the house of prayer, the house of worship. We've made that all about... And, Jesus didn't go to the synagogue. Jesus went to a house. Wow, isn't that something? Well, mm, so much more we could say here. But then it, Jesus gives his mission statement. It, it's in something. Jesus had a mission statement. He had a couple of different ones, actually. But verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Well, isn't that something? The Son of Man came and he was like that good shepherd that went after the one, even and left the 99. He came to seek and to save the lost. Wow. What's your mission statement? Do you have a mission statement? Do you know why you're on the planet? Do you know what your purpose is? God wants us to have a sense of mission. What are you, what's your mission statement? What are, what are you called to do? Wow, help us, Lord. Well, the final slide is one you've seen this millions of times, but I think again, we've, we've cheapened it. We've lessened it. Uh, Revelation 3.20, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. But you know, so often we've used this in a salvation sense for people that have never given their heart to the Lord yet, never been born again. And that's good. That's fine. That's true. But you know who he spoke it to? He spoke it to believers. He spoke it to the church in Laodicea. He said, you guys, you're lukewarm. And you claim to be spiritually rich and all that, but you're poor and wretched, blind and naked. You're, you're lukewarm and, and you need to buy gold from me and, and I salve so you can see you need a transformation in your heart. Ah, oh, isn't that something? And he says, I, I stand at the door and knock. And, he, and if, if you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, if you open the door, that is something. Well, we're going to, we're going to sing this song one more time. <laughs> we sang a lot earlier. Uh, I will make room for you. And you know, as I think about this, I think about my garage. I have a two-car garage. That's the good news. The bad news is I can only get one car in it. Any of you like that? And the, what's the problem? The problem is clutter. And some of us have asked Jesus into our heart, but we got so much clutter, there's not a whole lot of room. And so as we sing this song, I just want us all to kind of gather for a few minutes here and, and just sing it again, but pray it again. God, I'm going to make room. You know, when Jesus came, the first time came as a little baby, guess what? There was no room. Isn't that something? There was no room in the end. No room for the Son of God who came all the way from heaven to earth to be with us, to tabernacle among us. No room. Oh, are you willing to really make room for him to deal with the clutter? You don't have to be clean. You just have to make room. You can say, Lord, God, whatever it takes, clean me up. Deal with me, Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. You're going to clean us up, Lord. We thank you. You got the cleaning supplies, Lord. Father, I pray that you would reveal what needs to change in us, Lord God. Father, I, I apologize for the clutter in my life, Lord. I want more of you. I say, oh Lord, give me more, but I got so much clutter. There's not much room. Lord, we want you to have room today, Lord. We want you to have room in our hearts, Lord God. We want you to have full access, Lord, to every room in our hearts. Not just say, well, you can come into my life, but only this room or that room. We want you to have the whole house, the whole room, the whole heart, Lord God. Wholehearted. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.